I love these days because we see the fullness of who we are, the breadth of who we are in talent and the joy of who we are being together. And so thank you for coming today. I know there were some uh, big football games played yesterday at the major colleges around the state, but it's clear to me that we all should have been here praying for them all because it didn't go so well. So um, thank you for those of you who made it back or, or could be here today. We're gracious and grateful that you're here. I hope you saw in your uh, bulletin, you know, about 150,000, 155,000 a year leaves us and goes elsewhere to be spent around the world. And I wanted you to see, we try to do an accounting of every cent you give here and what it goes to. And so this tells you about that part. And of course, um, I'll tell you that you've got a staff that makes a penny squeal before we let it go. So um, things around here are, are very well uh, cared for and very consciously um, monitored to make sure that we do spend the money the way you want it spent. So just know that as you are giving here, the money is carefully, um, very carefully actually watched. So thank you for being generous in the way you can. Also today, um, if, if you are not receiving the church's emails or the church's mail outs, please sign the P register. Um, sign it anyway, just because we need a record of your presence today, but please just mark there and then you will be included on the church's communication lines and that would be a great way to, to, to do it. Um, today we continue, I'm going to read the last time, um, the text from James that we've been reading for these three Sundays in a row about faith and works together. You know, we're often usually big about talking about our faith or about our works, but James makes it clear they are supposed to be um, hand in hand. So hear these words again from James 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of, them says, one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that faith? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe and shudder. Do you want, not to, be, do you want to be shown, you person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was what brought to completion his works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, you make sense and engender and enrich this crazy thing we call life. We ask today for a deeper investment of you and us and a deeper investment of us in your kingdom. Help us to see and know how to move more 
deeply into you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I rode motorcycles um, throughout my life into my 40s. Um, in fact, I sold my last motorcycle just before I came to be your, on your pastoral staff. Um, I have decided that in my 50s, if I want wind in my hair, I need a convertible. <laughs> However, growing up around motorcycle people, I've always remembered a particular incident uh, that occurred in my youth that left a, a very deep imprint on me. A man named John owned a beautiful Harley-Davidson motorcycle. It was wine-colored with that hydroglide front fork. Um, there was a young friend of mine, he was really quite a good motorcycle rider, who wanted to ride that motorcycle. So one day he asked, John, can I ride your motorcycle today? And John's words have stuck with me ever since. You can ride it anytime you want to, John said, anywhere you want to, as often as you want to. Just remember to ride like it was mine and not like it was yours. <laughs> Reflecting on that statement, um, I think we can say God has given us free and full use of this thing we call the world. All he asks is that we use it like it was God's and not like it was ours. That's stewardship. This morning, we conclude our autumn stewardship emphasis with addressing gifts. <clears throat> In the past two weeks, we've addressed prayers and presents, and you heard a powerful testimony from Sue Pace, and I read a powerful letter from the Pershaw Ministry. Then last week, you heard Ann McCullen talk about the intense, intensely deep impact you make um, both in volunteer and monetarily through Edward Street Fellowship. And today we're going to talk about gifts, the, the financial commitments and, and things you share here. Whenever the word steward or stewardship is mentioned, we usually think of money and giving, but giving is only a part of stewardship and the tithe is only a part of the giving. Let's look at some of the marks of a mature Christian steward this morning. First of all, the mature Christian steward makes Christ the Lord of their life. Now, I know that sounds very elementary, but we so easily forget that. The mature Christian makes Christ the Lord of our lives. It's really the starting place, the heart of all stewardship, for we are moment by moment, day by day, deciding the question, shall I live for God or shall I live for myself? That was the dilemma of Adam and Eve from the beginning in the garden, um, and it's the dilemma every believer faces now. Human beings, if we've not figured this out, human beings are going to worship something. If we do not let God be God, we then will make that something else into our God, and that could be ourselves or our possessions or another person or some ideal or some institution. Something is going to rule our lives. Frank Sinatra saying, I did it my way. And it may be recognized by most folks, unrecognized by most folks, but... This is the theme song for most of us, too. <clears throat> Making God Lord means using all your possessions, your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness to God's glory. When God is Lord, we recognize that we are stewards of everything, not just possessors of those things. We are stewards of life itself and of life's experiences. 
I found this quote this week and I thought it was really powerful. Christian stewardship is the matching of gift for matchless gift. Our life and its whole substance for the gift of perfect love. It's a great quote. I want to say it again. Christian stewardship is the masking of gift for matchless gift. Our life and its whole substance for the gift of perfect love. Well, that being true, then the efficient steward, the good steward, acknowledges that God is the owner and he or she is simply a trustee. The Christian steward knows that he or she is only a trustee, not owners, even of the material gifts that we don't share with the church. I mean, I think this is the, the, th the fallacy that many of us struggle with. We think that if we give a portion to the church, that part belongs to God. But it's also, everything else that we own also belongs to God. Jesus in the parables of the talents showed that God has given us the resources of our world. And he expects an accounting for the resources that are held in trust with us. So everything that we are and everything that we have is to glorify God. And, and that's a tall order. And it's not easy to discern always. And then finally, the Christian steward also tries to discover and follow God's purpose for all those other material possessions that we have that we don't offer the church. Christians must discover and follow God's purpose in getting and spending. And, and your pastor is on this journey as much as you. Um, I, as a single person, I'll just tell you, I eat out too much. You can tell by my waistline, and you can tell by my budget. And I squander money on eating out that I should be doing at home. So um, today, you know, part of my movement is to also manage the part that I'm keeping and not offering to God's church. We have let materialistic values squeeze us into the shape of this world, Christians. When Claire Booth Luce was appointed U.S. Ambassador to Italy, she rented a 17th century Italian villa as her home. Soon she noticed she was not feeling well. She was tired, lost weight, and had very little energy. She got worse and worse. After intense medical testing, the doctors determined that she was suffering from arsenic poisoning. Well, all the staff in the villa were found to be trustworthy, so where was the arsenic come from? Finally, the cause was located. The ceiling of her bedroom had an incredibly carved relief, beautiful relief, of roses. But it was discovered that it was painted with arsenic lead paint. Every night during her sleep, a light dusting was falling on her and she was breathing it in. Completely unaware, she was being poisoned in her bed by the fine dust falling from the ceiling. We, too often completely unaware, are in danger of being poisoned by materialistic outlooks. I mean, I, if nothing else, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm a marketing minor. And let me just tell you, marketing is always going to tell you you don't have enough. Because that's what sells. And we have easily fallen prey to believe that whatever we have, it's not enough. If you have a nice car, it's not nice enough. If you have a nice house, it's not nice enough. If you have nice clothing, it's not nice enough. We have been coached into believing that spending is the way to happiness. We are called to be stewards and not to fall for those lines. There is no getting stewardship perfect, I'll tell you, but there is a way to be on the journey. 
And so, first of all, mature Christians make the Lord the Lord of their life. Secondly, the efficient steward acknowledges that God is the owner and that we are just the trustees. And then finally, the Christian steward also tries to discover and follow God's purpose for every material possession, not just the ones given to the church. I wanted you to hear today the voice of one of your own peers, one of your own church members, as they speak about their journey um, as a part of stewardship. And so I've asked Ashlyn Brock if she would come and share a few words of testimony about her journey of faith. So Ashlyn, if you come. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Um, I'm Ashlyn Brock, and I have one son, Caden, who is in ninth grade at Sacred Heart. I'm originally from Ridgeland, Mississippi, but moved to Hattiesburg in 2001 to go to USCM. Um, I met my husband, Casey, here, and we made downtown Hattiesburg our home. I have been a downtowner for 17 years now. We live, we work, we school, and we worship downtown. And to be quite honest, the location and convenience of Main Street are why we first visited in 2010-2011 when Caden was a toddler. My husband and I were not your typical church people, but we were a young family yearning for something more. Casey and I both had some not so good experiences at other churches we went to growing up. So we knew what we didn't want, but we really didn't know what or who it was we were looking for. But I felt it at Main Street. Everyone was so welcoming and comforting and inviting and met us where we were at the time. It didn't matter that we had doubts and fears and questions, still do. We, we were accepted and assured, come as you are, all are welcome at his table. I saw Main Street at work in my downtown community, not just on Sundays, but every day. This is not a church that's confined within these walls. I saw for the first time what it really meant to be the hands and feet of Christ. And it was not in a look at what I did because I'm such a great and faithful Christian kind of way, but because I, I saw our church touching the parts of our community that the rest had seemed to forget or look the other way. Not for notoriety, but because the church sees the need of our neighbors and God calls us to help. I feel like I've always strived to have a servant's heart and this aspect of Main Street really spoke to me. We are a faith community that serves. But not only is Main Street a faith community that serves outside of these walls, we are a faith community that truly cares about our people in the church. I have felt this in many, many ways over the years, but my first experience of the Main Street family stepping up and caring for Caden and me and praying for us like we were their own, shone brightest during my, the darkest days of my life. On July 16, 2012, My husband, Casey, died suddenly at 33 years old. Here I was, a 30-year-old widow and a single mother. I was lost and broken and did not know where to go or what to do. And this Main Street community welcomed Caden and me with open arms. This church and this congregation supported us, prayed for us and with us, Visited, sent cards, food, and money, and were a steady light for me in a dark, dark time of my life. I wouldn't have made it through without the support of Main Street, the church, and the people. 
When your life changes so drastically and suddenly by an unexpected death of a spouse or a loved one, you truly grasp how not in control we really are as humans. Main Street sat with me in my darkness. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2 They didn't try to put a positive spin on it, and that helped me grow in my faith. They helped me see that God is there, even in the darkness. I was learning that I had to lay all my sadness, anger, bitterness, and worry at the feet of God. Which, by the way, is a lot easier said than done. But we're not supposed to only give God the negative emotions that we don't want. Everything we, should, everything we do should serve him. Everything we have is from him and because of him. I am abundantly thankful for God's grace. as We don't deserve any of this, and I get it wrong more times than I'd care to admit. But for the first time, I surrendered to God's plan for my life. I was baptized a week before my 31st birthday in May of 2013. On the same day of my baptism, Caden and I became official church members, too. We promised to support our church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. We did not take these membership vows as individuals, but with others. I find comfort in knowing that we're not supposed to walk this walk alone. According to, uh, this was from the UMC website, but... John Wesley was clear that Christianity is a social religion and that our growth in holiness of heart and life is deeply dependent on being, faith, being in face-to-face -face community with others who are watching over us and we over them in love. As Christians, we are called to love God and our neighbor. As United Methodists, we commit to serve Christ through our church. Sometimes us humans can make this overly complicated. Our life in Christ is all about God's glory, not our own. Using God's resources to bring glory to God. The church only exists to do God's will. And every dollar that is entrusted to the church can be used for only one purpose, to fulfill the mission God has for the congregation. That was by Love at H. Weeks. The Bible tells us that giving is incredibly personal between you and God. Of course, my check to Main Street will never come close to or match those of more well-established families with multiple incomes. But the Lord cares less about how much you're able to give and more about the way that you give. God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9-7, and someone who wants to give back to the Lord because of everything he has done for them. I have found myself by giving myself. Not because I'm perfect and I figured it all out, but because I am imperfect and continue to surround myself in God's grace and the faith community that is Main Street. You'll be happy to know that Ashlyn is scheduled to preach in the months ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Ashlyn. Were you surprised that your love carried her and even made her choose to be a believer in Christ? I sometimes think we forget the impact of our lives. You know, Martin Luther said that uh, there are three conversions necessary to be a believer. 
A conversion of the heart, a conversion of the mind, and a conversion of the pocketbook. And I'm not sure that he's wrong. In case you've missed it, um, on this day, when you hear stories like this and know the deep impact of your lives and your gifts, um, this is kind of what the target we're shooting for with material gifts. Tithing is the, is the goal, and it's a level playing field for all of us because we're all giving proportionally the same. It means that some of us should probably move past tithing and give more, and some of us who are not yet there should move toward it. It means that everybody starts somewhere, 1%, 2%, 4%, 6%, wherever you need to start. The church does need your money, but as much as that, we need the discipline of giving. I read an article this week. Um, 75% of Christians say they give to worthy causes because it's who they are. Not because there was an emotional plea, not because there was a tax advantage, not because it was easy because it was a defining principle of who they are. And why do we ask you to write it down on a pledge card? Well, writing down helps. The Bible is chock full of covenants, and covenants need to be ratified and call for witnesses, and you're all here to witness each other. We're not establishing a mortgage with this document. We're forecasting an estimate, making a projection, setting a direction, and God being our helper in the future sound will fulfill it. But if circumstances change, so can your pledge. Donald Reynolds, Donald Reynolds and I are the only ones who will ever know what you've pledged to give or what you give. If you believe in the mission and ministry of this church, you will give and give generously. Your staff and committee structure have streamlined and will continue to streamline spending and staffing and everything else here, by the way. I will tell you, though, that with rising prices, we're going to need a little increase just to stay even. What we're about to do is humbling. We're about to come forward and lay on this altar pledge cards to fund our church mission and ministry for the next year. And the reason I say humbly, you know, God already owns everything we have. <laughs> so, so we're offering a portion of that back to God's work. Couples, if you're here together, please come together. Grandparents and children, come together. This is a time to both learn as well as witness the hope and future of our church. When you come, you need only pay attention to yourself and your act of giving. Don't worry about anybody else. Unless any of us feel too proud, remember that we're offering a portion of what we have to the Lord, and the Lord already owns it anyway. We together are shouldering the responsibility to live in love and be community for one more year. And if the testimony that you heard today didn't let you know that community matters, it does. It matters in a big way. So go ahead. If you need to mark your card, go ahead. And the musicians will play something while this happens. And I'm going to invite you one by one, as you will, come and just lay your commitment card on the um, rail here and as you're finished just go back and sit down and once uh, time passes and that hasn't happened for a little while we'll continue on with the service
not trying to close it down, just want to make sure everybody has a chance. If you didn't get a chance and still figuring out what you want to give, just drop it by when this is over. But we have some exciting news as well. Um, because of who you are as a community, quite a few people want to join us as members this Sunday. So I'm going to ask Anders Estridge, if you are here, come on down. Um, Jan Monty, Buddy Rogers, the Sallies, the Sissons, Harriet Suggs, and June, and Curtis Rogers, if y'all would come on down. You stand right here, just right here. Some, some friends need friends. And we had 10 more who were going to join you today, but influenza and COVID are making the way through their families, and we are grateful that they didn't come and share it with us. So um, we have 10 more joining on another Sunday. <clears throat> so um, today we want to I ask you to raise your hands when, you, when I call your names out so these people can figure out what, who goes with who. Anders Estridge? Where are you, Anders? Okay, right here. I thought you were on the end down there. Sorry. I'm Jan Monty's right here. Buddy Rogers is right here. I'm the Sallies. And there are two more of them that went with Susan. Or back in fact, the, the Sissons, Carla and Dennis, right here. And then Harriet Suggs, and then her daughter, June Rogers, and Curtis Rogers, grandson, Curtis Rogers. So we're honored to have them all join us today. So as you have all witnessed, we take these vows very seriously. So I'm going to ask you... Um, in behalf of Main Street United Methodist Church, um, are you believers in Jesus Christ and will you serve him with your life? I will. Will you serve this church and God's kingdom with your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? Welcome to the fellowship that we call Main Street United Methodist Church. We're honored to be here. We're all about to go to lunch together, so find these people and get to know them at lunch. Why don't you go back to where you want to sit and um, find them at lunch, and we will share together the life that we have with them. Um, today, um, right now, I'm going to bless the food, so when you get there, you don't have to wait on the blessing. I'm going to dive right in. So if you would, please stand and also get your hymnal and turn to 607. Let me start us out. Gracious God, in addition to the prayer we're about to make, please bless the food and help us to celebrate the life over it. Amen. Now let's speak this covenant prayer together. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low by thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Let's eat. Amen. 